um, the uninitiated, if you will. So that'll be a whole other division, if, so to speak, of, of our publishing. Many devotees have asked for something like that. Um, so, and then um, we were having a meeting this morning about videos, also producing number of videos. Um, that's in progress. Thank you, Rose. I don't know if you can hear me. Signed off on it before we can send it back to him and make him redo it all um, through editing. Um, I say that in a lighthearted way, of course. Um, so that's also in, in progress. And uh, yeah, all good. Um, we um, screen seems to have frozen. Yes, we can. Okay. Um, and we'll see how that develops. Um, I see Chudhari on the screen. We're looking forward to his coming out here and assisting us as he... There's Gurnishta. Some technical assistance here. Working better for you in that. Okay, thank you. Some technical assistance that should improve the presentation here. Um, so he's going to be yeah living in the area and helping us uh, develop uh, further out Daria. So that's nice. Um, so that's basically what's going on. I am in uh, my room in in South Bay in Palo Alto today. In case you're wondering, yes, the backdrop, and um, so we'll go ahead and take the questions. Yeah, so today we have so far five questions just to give you some idea. And the first question is Chitahari. Yes, go ahead. Good morning, can you hear me? Yes, um, so. My question centers around the idea that I was reading a, an article recently where Prabhupada said something to the effect where um, a person could be running a huge business or even a country and be a gopi within, as the example used. And I've thought a lot about this over the years. It's that idea of doing going a bhakti, I guess, or, or being absorbed in bhakti internally while doing whatever. The idea of bhakti being that powerful. But it strikes me that, or it seems to me that in order to be able to do that, you have to have some pretty substantial standing in bhakti in the first place. And so the conundrum is kind of like, well, if you're busy doing these other things, how would you get that standing? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, there is, uh, of course, a statement in the um, 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, forget the verse, um, but it uh, informs us that uh, Dharma, Artha, and Kama, which is the world, acts uh, of a virtuous nature, um, those actions that are in pursuit of our security, Dharma, Artha, and Kama, those in pursuit of our uh, sensual um, pleasure um, can all be um, included within or part of uh, bhakti, hmm? um, which speaks to its power, its generous nature and its power that exceeds, for example, other transcendental paths of, for example, yoga and jnana, that, that's not a possibility. 
Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Prabhupada's statement is probably, you know, along those lines. In other words, bhakti does not have to consist of simply sitting and chanting or um, engaging directly in one of the uh, principal angas of bhakti, but um, dharma, arth, and kama, which is again the world, um, can be incorporated in, into bhakti. Um, and so it's generous, it's powerful. That said, of course, um, what is, I think Mishnu Chakritaku gives an example of how, in, in Jiva Goswami, perhaps in Kram Sandharma also, uh, of how one can do that. For example, um, um, in terms of Artha, raising money hmm? and, and building temples hmm? <laughs> with it, uh, you know, above and beyond one's uh, necessity for survival at a reasonable um, standard. Uh, as I have often said in, in more in the past than recently, to use the, your fund money or your um, what do they call it? Um, disposable income, or over and above your 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 your, your immediate necessities and so forth, uh, to spend it on Krishna conscious activities. Um, so, this is one example. I forget the examples they give for common and uh, and and dharma, but the point being, dharma, arth, and kama are the world. Moksha is beyond the world. The world can be incorporated in in bhakti, such as its power, such as its, again its gener generosity. But we should have we shouldn't have a, a generous view of ourselves in that regard, hmm? and think that well, as such, whatever whatever we do, in terms of dharma, arth, and kama, or worldly involvement, because we're a devotee, it's all bhakti. It's not. Hmm? And um, it's, of course, you know, the, the texts that I refer to are core texts and all were written at a very different time when householders, which is typically, you know, the, the worldly life as, as opposed to an ascetic or a renunciate, um, were living in a Hindu culture and um, they could be, you know, part of a large community of Vaishnavas and uh, and so forth, where that possibility becomes more understandable. Hmm? Um, I forget the example that you gave. Somebody could be a world leader or something in a gopi at the same time, um, something like that. So, you know, one could be a leader of a whole, you know, the, let's say the administrator of a, you know, with a, a manager of a large community of devotees and managing it and doing all of, all of that and internally be a gopi at the same time. I think when I explain it like that, it may be more understandable hmm? as opposed to, well, he's going to get into politics and become a senator and be a gopi uh, in today's world, I'm using the American political system that I'm familiar with as an example, but it would apply in any country, would be rather uh, uh, difficult and um, probably quite a, quite a, quite a stretch. Um, so I think that the, the principle is there and understandable, but it needs to be considered in terms of the time, place, and space. And, and I think it needs a conservative type of um, interpretation rather than a liberal, generous one that will be end up as a disservice to us because we'll think we're doing bhakti when in fact we're not. Now, there, of course, there are, there are Sakama devotees, hmm, 
or sanishta, without nishta, without a fixed goal, without a clear idea of the goal and distracted by other other ideals, other goals, but at the same time um, being a bhakta, that's a, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. That's, they can't be a gopi and do that at the same time, uh, so to speak. So in other words, they're, they're, it's not that you're not a devotee and it's not that you may not make progress if you have other ambitions, other desires that are uh, a distraction and you actually pursue them. But that, that, that pursuance is not necessarily going to be consumed by the little bit of bhakti that you do. You're kind of, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 you, one needs to come, I think, from a sanishta devotee, using now, as I am, Balajivijabhushan's terms, to a, to a, a parinishta devotee where one's involvement in worldly things is only for the, out of social custom and um, without attachment to it. So in that one sense is Sanishti, he actually has, she has other desires and for Kama, Dharma and Art and pursues them and also does Bhakti. That's one thing. The other the other side of it is and is 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 that as a parinishta means one is typically a householder has obligations social religious uh, and even sensual obligations for the children for going to funerals marriages um, um, all the things that are involved in that but um, involves himself or herself in that without any attachment to it as a um, a social duty religious duty that uh, that doesn't have to get in the that adherence to is not going to increase their bhakti and foregoing is not going to decrease their bhakti but there's they're living in the world and they're setting an example for other people mm-hmm. and and they're, you know, living up to responsibilities that they, through desire, have, you know, have have, uh, have been uh, saddled with, if you will. Like, for example, raising children and so on. So they they're doing it with detachment, and all the time raging within their ideal is bhakti, and that's what they're pursuing. And and you know, this is easier said than done in our um, uh, uh, modern world, but. Um, that's a kind of the ideal, I think, of a householder devotee that uh, Prabhupada was uh, advocating to that his students you know, be, come to that level of involvement, and then some of them, by in, in, in the natural course of that, will become renunciates. So just to, you know, as many as you can count on the on one hand, you know, a few persons. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's the general idea. And, you know, Satan's like, that you, Satan's like you cited Prabhupada, um, seem to stretch the idea and make it harder to, to, uh, you know, fit between your, your, your ears, so to speak. But I think the, the addressing as I am, the, the principle it's understandable. And he was very, uh, you know, he had very grandiose kind of ideas about spreading Krishna consciousness. And, and sometimes he would speak very uh, generously and, you know, realizing people couldn't give up ambitions and things and whatnot. And still, um, so speaking about a principle and stretching it a little bit to, uh, for the sake of propagation, I think uh, was, is an example of that kind of statement. Otherwise, you know, there are great devotees, even associates of Mahaprabhu, who are obviously like that, who are, we had Braj Prataparudra, he was a king of Puri. Of course, it's the king of Puri and it's Jagannath's, you know, temple <laughs> that he's presiding over and so forth. You have Ramananda Roy, who was, a, who was a, also a, in a, had a political post and so forth, and others. 
and they, in their context of that, their own time in society, they were very in, much in worldly positions, but were devotees within. So that, that, that's kind of the idea. But again, in our times, it's harder to do that. And, and, um, and really we should try to let, let, let the, our life revolve around our sadhana instead of our sadhana revolve around our life. Mm-hmm. We expect to make uh, tangible progress. Does that help? Uh, yeah, it does. And so I'm wondering now about the mm, what you would call or where the line of going about to begins. Then, say, like you said, just to do your worldly duties of maintaining yourself doesn't necessarily constitute bhakti. Um, but like in the Dharma Sanghita, at the end. Um, Christian tells Brahma, so, okay, go create the world like you have this desire and consider it as a meditation on me. So, but that's Brahma and he's talking to Krishna directly. So obviously that's a little different. Well, I don't think it, the line is drawn by the activity themselves, but by the inner um, intention and conception of the devotee. Hmm. So what de- what's the demarcation between I'm involved in karma or I'm involved in bhakti. It depends how, it's not the activity necessarily, but the intention behind the activity. Hmm? So if internally one's a devotee and is looking at it all from that perspective, then one can be involved in any number of things. And those things um, can be, um, as you're referring to it, gonavrak bhakti or uh, siddha bhakti, designated as bhakti. Hmm? Um, um, but you know, like I say, it's easier said 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 than done to be involved in those things only from a devotional perspective. I, I've given an example before. Let's say let's say you 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 you're a married person, and um, and you have um, desire for children. So, well, there's a whole lot of things that go with that. And you got to work and support and, 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 and so on and so forth um, and take care of the, the children and, 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 and so forth. Um, but if you realize that you need those things in order to feel emotionally whole enough to not have them drawing upon you in such a way that they're a total distraction from your ability to practice. Hmm? And therefore you, you put those things in place and they make you emotionally whole enough that you then use that energy and that balance that you required from that to invest it in your, in your bhakti and, and, and your practice and so forth. Um, if you can do that, I mean, then, then you can see your wife or your husband, as may be the case, or your children as extensions of what I, they're there to assist me in my bhakti. I needed those things. Krishna provided them for me. And I can totally be involved in taking care of them, raising them, all of the mundane things that that, they, that, that you know, involves ordinarily. And if the conception is right there, then it can be seen as bhakti. I, I, I'm worshiping these, my wife because without her, I wouldn't have the emotional balance to be able to do. But then you got to, you know, it, it's easy for me to say that. It's easy for someone to hear that and go, everything's great. You know, I got my family and I'm all bhakti, you know, not necessarily. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the power of bhakti. We, we, we have to be careful when we say bhakti is powerful and generous. Um. And, and, and she is, of course, not to misunderstand that and abuse that. And, you know, what, what is bhakti? It's a, it's a Krishna Anushilam, uh, Anukulena Krishna Anushilam. So it's, it's an inner culture and consciousness, and Krishna consciousness. So, um, uh, you know, the, the more that's in place, what I spoke about in the example I just gave of a family person, is entirely possible, but 
it's, imitation of it is, is, is not it, you know, to, to, to be in that space. I mean, look at Bhakti Vinotak, where he was a worldly person. He had, I think he fathered 14 children, maybe two or two died or something like that. And, and um, you know, and he was a magistrate and so on and so forth. But uh, his, his, they say that, you know, when everybody went to bed at night, he was up, you know, writing his books and so forth, you know. Um, so, he was able to able to do that. So we can give him as an example, but not everybody's a bhakti vinod. So given that, um, we really need to put full emphasis on our spiritual practice and the main angas of bhakti and organize our life in such a way that that, that, that they become that it facilitates their pursuit. Does that help? Yes, that makes sense. Okay. Eric, you want to unmute yourself? Nandavats, uh, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, good morning. Morning. Um, so my question is uh, regarding a passage I found while reading Sri Guru and His Grace by Srila Sridhar Maharaj. Um, and it says... We have to follow the spirit. Otherwise, after Janava Devi, the wife of Lord Nityananda, up to Vipin Goswami, from whom Bhaktivinoda Thakur took initiation, there are so many unknown lady gurus. Through them, the mantra came to Vipin Goswami, and from him, Bhaktivinoda Thakur received the mantra. We accept Bhaktivinoda Thakur, but should we count all these ladies in our disciplic succession? What was their realization? So I'm a bit confused as to what this passage is saying um is he saying that the female gurus in the lineage through whom the mantra came to bhaktivinoda takur are not to be counted as part of the parampara or due to their lack of realization as kind of mentioned toward the end of the quote um if they lack sufficient realization how could they effectively pass the mantra on to their disciples um i was under the impression that there isn't really any particular distinction in Gaudiya vaishnava philosophy regarding uh, men and women in terms of potential to attain high levels of spiritual advancement, function as guru, etc. So, um, or maybe I'm perhaps misinterpreting uh, a number of these points. Um, could you please clarify this quote and what exactly Srila Sridhar Maharaj is saying? Yes. First of all, you're correct. There's no difference between uh, men and women in terms of their capacity to advance in, uh, in Krishna consciousness. There's no difference between the nishta, the ruchi, the asakti, the bhava of someone in a woman's body or someone in a man's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I learned that from Uchipatri Maharaj and from uh, Srila Prabhupada. So <laughs> that is the teaching. And uh, obviously you, you thought that was the case too because it is and it's, it's an obvious obvious point. Mm-hmm. Um, Sridhar Marsh's statement is really not about um, women uh, per se, but it is about the idea that was prominent at the time um, that is often referred to as Siddha Pranali. Siddha means perfect, Pranali means line. Mm-hmm. So after a certain point in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, there became a prominent uh, system for giving initiation, uh, a system that is a departure from, for example, Hari Bhakti Vilas. Hari Bhakti Vilas speaks about initiation, and I think it speaks of three different uh, procedures. If you can't do this, do this. If you can't do that, do this. And the last one being impart the mantra at an auspicious time, something like that. That's the essence of it, boss, done. Um, So along with that, any number of details could be incorporated into the uh, procedure of imparting the mantra. And um, and this, uh, the system of, as it's referred to as, as, as Siddha Pranali, is, is an example of certain details 
coming to be the dominant system. And I think that this was um, attention to such uh, details and um, uh, having such a, a system was much the work of the um, the caste Goswamis. I don't speak of them in a pejorative sense here, but as a certain type of devotees, for example, followers of Rupins, and often there were all uh, so many married people, and um, and they took over the temple worship and carried on the lineage and so on and so forth. Um, along with them, of course, you had ascetics extraordinary renunciates and so forth. And while this system of Siddha Pranali, which I'll go into the detail of, was in place, um, you also found ascetics who are just beyond, you know, such a system and, and did, did things in, in whatever way they, they so uh, saw fit. Hmm. Um, to give initiation, it didn't. It didn't follow. Uh, their their method didn't follow all of the procedures set up by the by the Kasko Swamis and so forth. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with those procedures. And they may have got the inspiration, from what I can tell, to some extent, from Gopal Guru Goswami, Dhyan Chandra Goswami, although in their works. The term is not mentioned, and the concept uh, as it was, uh, or the system as it was at the time of Bhakti Vinod and Puja Pachita Maharaj, and even our times, was um, it's not described in their texts. Um, but the uh, the system, if you will, was that the, you would get a Diksha Patra, a letter. And in the letter, um, it would state, uh, you know, maybe who the witness was to the initiation and that this is your line and the, the members in the parampara going back to uh, Nityananda Prabhu or Dwaita Prabhu or whomever, one of the associates of Mahaprabhu, um, would be, uh, their names would be there. And then on top of that, they would give the names of their internal uh, bhakti swaroops. Mm -hmm. So you'd have Bipin Bihari Goswami, he was the initiating guru of Bhakti Vinod, and then he has his internal swaroop. And, and then the idea would be that, um, that in their practice, their sadhana, then um, uh, there would be a meditation, remembrance, smarnam on the succession uh, in terms of their internal swaroops. And one would also be given an internal swaroop oneself. Hmm? Your, your swaroop is, you're such and such gopi. This is, this is your dress, this is your service, um, and so forth. So you'd have these details about each, each of the, the members. And you'd have the letter confirming it, and there, you know, any number of other details. But that's kind of the the sum and substance of it. Um, but it's not necessarily the case that all of the persons in the parampara were actually siddhas. Maybe their guru gave them, this is your siddha, sarup, and that was, maybe that was accurate, but it's not necessarily the case that they realized it. It may not even be the case that what the guru gave them is, is even accurate or based on any developing um, spiritual sensibilities as a result of their, their practice in advanced stages, which will give one an orientation, which will give one a, a, a natural attraction and so forth. 
and that, of course, um, corresponding with their, their bhakti samskars and so forth. So um, the idea is, is, is nice in a way, but the fact on the ground that was being experienced at the time of Bhakti Vinod Thakur was that um, all the persons in the lineages were uh, not um, siddhas. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you want a siddha pranali, well, all you need is one siddha, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in, 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 in the case of Bhaktivinoda, let's use him as an example. We find things in Bhaktivinoda that we, we didn't find in Bipin Bihari Goswami as initiating guru. We also find that Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, did not, when his, where his own Guru Parampara departed from the Siddhanta in some areas from that of the Goswamis, he didn't go with that. He only presented what the Goswamis presented even Bihari Goswami himself, his guru also took an exception to some of the things that were being taught in the line prior to him. And he, he considered it to be interpolation, other people getting involved and it didn't really represent the line and, 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 and so forth. Um, so the point um, that Srinivas is making is that, you know, you, if you want to make a claim about a Siddha Pranali, well, you have to, there have to be siddhas. They may not necessarily be uh, siddhas. And so you know, we, 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 we draw our line to Bhaktivinoda. We say the Bhaktivinoda Paribar. Someone says, well, you know, what about the rest of his line? Well, what about the rest of his line? You know, um, we, don't dis, we don't dismiss it, um, but we know that we consider Bhaktivinoda Thakur a siddha. That's our, our faith. We're not alone in that. And um, we have we have connection with him, and we consider Gorka Shoras Babaji Marsha Siddha. He gave initiation to Bhakti Siddhanta in a totally unorthodox way. He didn't give a Diksha Patra, he didn't give so many, he just did what he did. If you want to criticize Bhakti Siddhanta for not getting the proper initiation, you have to criticize so-called proper in terms of the details of the time. Uh, you have to criticize Bhak, uh, Gorkashore. Take up your complaint with Gorkashore Das Babaji. I don't think you want to do that. Um, on the one hand, you want to call him a Siddha, but you say Bhakti Siddhanta's, no, he didn't get the right kind of initiation. But what he got, he got from Bhak, from Gorkashore. And again, he was initiating Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur in the presence of Gorkashore and, and Bhakti and uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur with their blessing. So anyway, that's a little bit aside from what you're what you're what you're asking, um, but the point is that at the time it was apparent hmm, that any number of lineages were were weak in terms of having real spiritual standing and authority in the line. In some cases, well, the husband was the guru and he handed it down to the wife and the wife to the son and and so. And it was more or less a family um, affair and somewhat of a what of a business. Uh, it's not necessarily bad uh, entirely, but it, it it could get bad and it did. And it, it lacked some spiritual um, vitality. Well, you could say, well, well, Bhaktivinoda's in the line. If the line lacks some spiritual vitality, then what? Well. He had obviously a previous life, in the least. Some some consider him, you know, having come from Goloka, but he presents himself as a sadhana siddha. And he obviously had, if that's the case, he obviously had some standing from the previous life to come into this life and then formally get his, well, in, substantially get his diction. Um, but uh, uh, still in him, things manifested that didn't manifest in his, in his guru. So... Um, so, so what Shudamarsh is addressing is, is, is that kind of, um, issue and, um, but from him, 
we 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 also uh, learn, as you say, that you no know, men and women can be perfectly uh, uh, advanced gurus. I think there may be cited the Janava. So Janava was a lady; she was perfect, but he could have as well said, "But all those men and ladies, you know." You just happen to say that at the time he could take that out of context and say, see, he's a misogynist and here's what, and this is what he's saying. And so, but it's, it's totally like ignoring the context of everything that he teaches. And I think I once looked at that statement. And I don't think what you read in the book um, is an excerpt from the longer statement. And if you look at the whole thing, um, um, he, I, 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 Trying to dredge my memory, I, but I believe that he he said something that would, you know, resolves that um, confusion or, or way of thinking about it that he's somehow diminishing the spirituality or the possibility of spiritual advancement for women. That's not at all um, the case. And you know, again, well, at least in, in the context of what you read, also he he mentions Janaba, who was a but not all the ladies, not all the men as, as well, uh, necessarily. So he's really commenting on, on the whole insistence that without this particular system in place, your, your, your mantra will have no power uh, if you don't get it just like this. And the whole, the whole thing is, is, it's a nice package. It's a nice idea if it all works. Um, and every, every, everything's accurate. They're all siddhas and so, but um, it doesn't have to be like that. Hmm? Initiation doesn't have to include any such things. The, the, the mantras are powerful and um, are fully capable of um, doing their work, which is which is revealing through the sound. Hmm? of the mantra, the words of the mantra, the mantra and the words are your swarup in, a, in, a, in sound form. It's contained within that. Um, you can't realize Krishna, if you will, without realizing who you are in relation to Krishna. <laughs> the two things are, you know, they, they, they go together. Because it's a subjective view from a Sakyarasa point of view, from a Madhuryarasa point of view. You, you can't have one without the other. Hmm. So they say you might realize Krishna, but you won't realize your Swarup. I mean, it doesn't make any many sense. Both go to, go, go, to, go, go together. So is the mantra capable of revealing Krishna? Well, yeah. I mean, is there anything about... I mean, that's what the Gopal Tapani says, where the mantra, for example, the Gopal mantra is revealed, or, or Krishna Nam and the Maha Mantra. Is it capable of, of revealing Krishna? Certainly. I mean, that's what it's it's Krishna in sound. Hmm? And if Krishna's realized, well, then your relationship with him is realized as, as well. They, they go together. So that's really what it's about. That uh, that section. Does that help? Yes. Uh, thank you very much, Maharaj. That, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Another question? Greg? Unmute yourself. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Um, my question um, is pertains to, to um, you mentioned in Sacred Preface in the final chapter um, what it means to be a real Vaishnav as opposed to almost a Vaishnav. Um, you, you use the um, expression expanded spiritual sensibility. So uh, my question is, what's the difference between the idea that the guru is the embodiment of love in the stage of Ruchi and the idea that he is God's representative? Right. Well, we find that in Vishwana uh, Chakravarti Thakur's Gurvastakam, in the last verse, he says, Sakshadaritena Samastha Shastra. All the Shastras say that the guru is directly Krishna. And then the next line is kintu However, kintu, hmm, um, he's also dear to Krishna. So how can you be Krishna directly, all the scriptures say, and be dear to Krishna? Hmm. So that what that means is that the extent to which the guru is directly Krishna, there's a caveat to that. Hmm. There's a caveat to that. 
um, uh, and and which distinguishes the sense in which we say the guru is directly Krishna from the way in which a Maya body will say that the guru is Krishna. They speak about it in an absolute sense. We speak about it with some measure of spiritual uh, relativity. And the idea is that the guru is Krishna, one with Krishna, just like I might say, he and I are one. The two of us, we're, we're on the same page. You know, we, we, you're going to get the same opinion from both of us. We're friends, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, therefore, the, the, the guru is dear to Krishna and be, as a devotee, loves Krishna with a particular bhava. And because he or she does, mm-hmm. He fully represents, she she fully represents Krishna. Doesn't give you some other idea other than what is is the Krishna conscious idea. And um, and therefore is the the principal um, focus of the disciple, the guru, because it's kind of Krishna in a tailored uh, custom representation you know for you in your circumstances and one feels like that that for one six this is my, this is my guru the way she talks about it, the way he talks about it just really resonates with me and calls and, 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 and causes my my faith and to be, to be nourished in my in my practice and so forth um, so um, in that sense the guru is the main uh, uh, focus so so there's a that's that's the idea. Does that help, or is, is there something more to your question that I'm not getting? Um, well, my question was really just: what's the difference between the guru being the embodiment of love and God's representative? Well, as the embodiment of love, what what, what is spoken about there is that the guru is the embodiment of a particular kind of love. So let's say the guru is the embodiment of Gopi Bhav. Gopi Bhav is love of Krishna. Mm-hmm. So Radha is the embodiment of love of Krishna. Lalita, Vishaka, Rupamanjari, they're all examples of nuanced examples of embodiments of love. They are love personified. Love has a form, love has a shape, it takes a shape in order for it to express itself, right? So the guru has a particular bhava, and he or she is that bhava internally. So that's what it means that the guru is the embodiment of love. And then we say that the guru is the representative of Krishna. It means that he or she, assigned from love, be the embodiment of love of Krishna in a particular way, which is going on internally, externally is representing Krishna and his teachings accurately to all the, all the world and set an, ex, an example in his sadhaka deha, his practitioner's body, as how to, how to conduct oneself for other sadhakas. So in the sadhaka deha, we can say he's a representative of Krishna, hmm? teaching the teachings, setting a good example, and internally, He's the personification of, what did we say, of love? Hmm? Embodiment of love, of a particular kind of love. And in due course, we become, through, through following the, the, the guru's teaching and example, we become acquainted with his, his internal side uh, as, as well. Hmm? And therefore, even after the guru passes away in terms of his sadhaka deha and, and that role, we have a relationship with him in the spiritual world mm-hmm. as being in his group or associated with, you know, for friendly relationship with, his, let's say your gurus in, in, in Sakurasa or, and then and, and he, 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 the devotee happens to be for in, in Madhuri Rasa based on previous associations and what on, so, so on and so forth. Then they still have a relationship in the spiritual world, or if they're in the same group, in the same bhava, then obviously 
So does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Okay. <clears throat> what else? Um, the next question is from Anupurna. She wrote to me privately, I, and it just says, she would like you to talk about Govinda Mandal Astakam, composed by Sri Jiva Goswami. Govinda what? Govinda Mandal Astakam. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not sure if that name's correct. I never heard of that book, Govinda Mandal Astakam. But I mean, if there's an Astakam, it's eight prayers. Yeah, Astakam means eight, eight, Astakam means eight. Eight prayers in glorification of Govinda. I'm not, uh, I haven't studied that book. I never heard of the book, but it may exist. Um, but I can't comment further than that. So then we'll go to Tadas. Has a question? Unmute yourself. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I would like to ask a question. <clears throat> um, many times I have heard uh, in Prabhupada lectures or I have read in his purports uh, when he is speaking about um, superiority of Vaishnavism over other like uh, religions or paths. So his main argument is that um, in Vaishnavism there is no beginning. Uh, so that means uh, there is is eternal and there is no end of of this path. Uh, when at the same time other religions they have like exact date when they started, uh, so that means it will end at some time. And at the same time, in your lectures, I've he I have heard many times when you uh, describe six Goswamis as architects of of our path and uh, it like sets like a beginning so the question would be which part of Vaishnavism is eternal that uh, Prabhupada speaks about and uh, does it mean that that part which was started by six Goswamis it will end at some time Yes, okay. I think that uh, to answer your question, I think that uh, first of all, um, sometimes when preaching, you may use an argument, and if it works and uh, serves your purpose, then fine. Later on, the argument may, may be found not to be as effective because of other information and so on and so forth. So there's some relativity to it. I saw Prabhupada make arguments uh, based on information that he had in order to uh, foster the faith, commitment and involvement of his disciples, and then uh, get information that contradicted the argument. And then he would say, anyway, well, so then look at it like this, give another argument, another argument. So there's a principle involved in his preaching or anyone's preaching, they want to foster the faith of disciples um, and, um, uh, and, 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 and enthuse them and, and, and so forth. The argument may, may be valid. It may be partially valid. It may, be, it may not be valid. Um, but when you're preaching, you, you come up with any number of ideas based on information that you have. And and you use it. So I don't think that these are necessarily everything that a, a preacher says or everything that he or she employs in terms of arguments to grow the faith of the disciples are necessarily something to be taken as absolute. Some things are, but not everything. Mm -hmm. So you know, I mean, like, let's let's take Prabhupada's argument. All the religions in the world have a beginning, and the, and Gaudi Vaishnavism doesn't. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's eternal. It doesn't, and it doesn't have an end. Well, you know, the Prabhupada was not a student of every other religion in great detail. Mm -hmm. 
So they might come up with a, you know, with an argument, you know, to the, to, to, to the contrary. But I think that, uh, but maybe not. What I think that Prabhupada's argument is really based on in this instance is the idea that the Vedas have no beginning. So this goes beyond Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That would include all forms of Vaishnavism, for example, and um, and other, uh, well, let's say all forms of, of of Vaishnavism within 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 Hinduism. The idea amongst the Hindus is that there there is there are sounds embedded in 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 the world, just like it. You have Brahma; he creates the world. The way he creates the world is through sound. Which, which is, of course, sound is that by which we differentiate one thing from another. We call that a pillow. We call that a chair. We call that a window. We call that a computer. We distinguish one from another. So the creation is thought to be by sound. So distinguishing one thing from another, putting it, giving it a, a place conceptually. Something like this, Brahma is, is, is creating through sound. Um, so there are sounds embedded in in a fabric of the world just like in mathematics it's thought there are mathematic formulas embedded in nature and one school of finite mathematics a dominant school feels that those are discovered hmm? and they explain things about how how nature works hmm? um, so similarly the vedic mantras are one can hear them with a spiritual ear internally. Hmm? And so Rishis would hear the Upanishad. Hmm? It's, it's, it's existing. And then they would speak it, and then it would be called so-and-so Upanishad because he spoke it, such and such Upanishad because she spoke it. Hmm? But it doesn't have its origin in that person. It's an eternal sound. Hmm? So Krishna's eternal, God's eternal. So the mantra, for example, Gopal Tapani is a mantra that reveals him. Hmm? And it, it, it eternally exists. And a sage heard it and then wrote the Gopal Tapani Upanishad. It's kind of the idea. So Shruti means which is heard. So it, it, just like there are sounds that dogs can hear that we can't hear, right? And other species, and so forth. so, so there, there's there are sounds that sages can hear, hmm? and even ordinary people or ordinary humans uh, can't, hmm? and they're eternally existing. They correspond with the absolute. They describe him in a certain way. They're not different from him. They're they're the sound representation, hmm? and so that's eternally existing, and, and whereas. The Bible was written at a certain time, hmm? historically. The Quran, written at a certain time, historically. The Book of Mormon, or the Mormon religion, it has a beginning. Hmm? So I think this is more what he re was referring to than, than Gaudiya Vaishnavism per se. But Gaudiya Vaishnavism derives from the Shruti. Hmm? And the Shruti is followed by the Smriti, which means ref humans reflect upon the Shruti, and they write further about it. So that's like supplementary literature that explains it. So the, uh, now the Bhagavatam is a Smriti, technically, but it calls itself a, shmriti, a Shruti. Shruti Sara may come. That's a whole other interesting argument and so forth um, of the Godias. So the Godias see the Bhagavatam as having no, no, no beginning, even though it may have a beginning in terms of when it's written down, in terms of Sukadev speaking it, uh, it was originally spoken by Krishna in four verses to 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 um, to Brahma. Hmm? So this is what he's referring to in comparison to other uh, religions. They're more man-made or human-made. Ours is human-made too. I mean, it's just basically human beings reflecting on it, trying to speak about it and uh, put it in words, with, even when it transcends the limitations of language and so forth. Um, but there's a, there's this strong idea 
a purusheya is this technical term in the um, Hindu tradition that 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 the the Veda is is not created by humans. Buddha apparently objected to that idea. Therefore, he's called Gnostic. Um, but um, no one else. I don't think any other religion makes that kind of claim about, and like I say, the book, the book, the, the Bible. The Bible is basically recording a historical event, mm-hmm. the advent of the Jesus, or Quran is, you know, looking at everything through the lens of, of Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, the interesting thing, of course, is that in academics, people in the, in the particular field of Indology, they try to date the different. Vedas and Upanishads, and so on and so forth. But I mean, no one knows who wrote them. <laughs> you can't find. It. We say there's God. They're they're authored by God, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But if you come up with someone else and definitively show us who else wrote it, you can't. But they 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 can't do that either. So it's an element of faith on our part. But there's good reasoning to support it. Like I said, just like there are mathematical equations that reveal something about how the nature works. Hmm? I mean, let's take Einstein's formula, E equals MC squared. It's already existing. It's not that he invented. And then at that time, suddenly, uh, energy equals mass squared started happening. (laughs) It was already happening. It's the nature of uh, something about the nature of, of the world. And this is the formula's way of speaking about it. And he realized it. He had inspiration. Hmm. Um, so as, as there are sounds embedded in nature that reveal something about nature, how nature works, similarly there are sounds that, that one can come in touch with that reveal how to transcend the limits material nature and to know and experience oneself and one's full prospect. You like the answer? Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. So we answered five questions, right? We did. We, well, we have, we have a couple people that came on and asked later on the chat, but probably don't have time. Okay, I see one. It says, Ananta Govinda has a follow-up question. From the last week's discussion on the contribution of the six Goswamis to the Vaishnava philosophy, he says, is it accurate to state that they extracted and organized in books information about Sakirasa and added all the details? Was that information available in the Shastras anywhere before them? Nectar of devotion is full of names and details of those pastimes. I was wondering how those came to us. So, um, yeah, the concept of, um, for example, when you're citing fraternal love of God exists before uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And Rupa Goswami, Jeeva Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravartyakar, in their comments on his work, for example, Bhaktura Samrita Sindhu that you cite, sometimes um, have cited verses from other Puranas hmm, about someone who had such a such a, an affinity of that nature for God. Hmm. Um, so the concept of Sakirasa is not something that Rupa Goswami is given to the world. Hmm? It existed prior to neither Gopi Bhav. Hmm? However, at the same time, let's look at Gopi Bhav. Within Gopi Bhav, the idea of Radhadasyam, of which there are different forms, the extreme form of which is sometimes referred to as Munjari Bhav, that is something that is unique to go to Vaishnavism. Hmm? To look at the Sakiras also, there's a unique contribution of Rupa Goswami within the idea that there's a possibility of friendly love for Krishna. I mean, obviously, 
friendly love for Krishna didn't originate with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation at a particular time, because Krishna appeared long before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he had his friends. So if we look at the Bhagavatam, for example, we see Krishna has friends. Some of them are mentioned there. And the nature of their rapport and their relationship is mentioned. So the idea that there could be fraternal love of God is found in the core texts uh, like the like the well, like the Bhagavatam, for example, which predates Chaitanya Vaishnavism and the works of um, of the six Goswamis. But what they've done is revealed something about that Sakyaras that has never been understood before, as they did, for example, about Mandari Bab and other details. Hmm? about Gopi Bhav, different types of Gopi Bhav. I mean, you won't find that anywhere. And so you have to think they, they must be, they must have been there when the, when, when the Bhagavatam was, they were, they're, they're written about in the Bhagavatam. Here they are now in their Sadaka Deyas in Gaur Leela, but previously they were there in the Prakat Leela of Krishna. They're members of that. They know it that well. Therefore, they can fill in the details. There's this kind of Saki and that kind of Saki and, and, and so on. And similarly within Sakiras, the, the visions of four types of Sakirasa. Hmm? The, the Saka, the Suhrit Saka, the Priya Saka, the Priya Narma Saka, details within that, and so on and so forth. Um, and with and, and Rupa Goswami has done that with all the rasas, the different types of Dasa, Dasi Rasa, different types of Shantarasa. Hmm? Uh, the nature of Bhatsali Rasa. So chapter after chapter, he you know deals with this in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And so they have given, uh, filled in uh, details in in, 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 to a large extent. I mean, they've really played the thing out such that it becomes something that one could conceivably identify with and pursue. Just hearing about in the Bhagavatam, they're friends of Krishna and so forth. Well, you know, you might be attracted to that, you know, but how to do that and what, what you know, what the details of that are and, and so on and so forth, you know, that that's not available. They've, they've given that. They, they, they took, in other words, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu came to give hmm, through Nam Sankirtan from Golok, its wealth, and then they've they've explained it in great detail. You know what 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 is the uh, the possibilities in terms of the, the end result and how it works and and so forth. So their contribution is immense, but it does not extend to telling the world for the first time. There's something called called Sakirasa. I think that answers your question. And then we see something from. Pedro had a question. Pedro? He, yeah, he he just, Pedro, if you're there, unmute yourself. Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yeah. So I'd like to ask this question to Maharaj. It's uh, usually a question. I'm not hearing you, Pedro. Can you hear me? No? What's going on with your mic? Hello, can, can you hear me? Okay, well, we're at a lower time, so we have to save Pedro's uh, question. Next time. Okay, well, thank you so much. As Next always, week. it was wonderful, and we so much appreciate okay. an association like this. Nice so, to be with you. Jai. 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 Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Swami, Guru Maharaj, Kinjai. Jai. Bhaktivedanta Jai. Hi. Hari Bhaktivedanta 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 Hari
So his, his class will be tomorrow, Mondays and Thursdays at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. And we're, there are, it's a wonderful series of classes on Vaishnava etiquette. And, you know, the classes are a series, but you can come in on any time and get a lot from the class. And they're all going to be, um, they're all being recorded. And um, so you can catch up with the, the first ones if you want. But it's really wonderful. We'd love to have more of your association. All right, dear devotees, Hare Krishna, Hari Bol. Hari Bol. Jai.